<laughs> okay, okay, okay. Here's the next episode of the top four. Welcome, listeners. We're going to be talking about, obviously, match week one of the Premier League. Pretty excited about it. We've got a lot to talk about. Um, just overall, I feel like the, the first week was really good. Um, we're going to do a little bit of a different format where each one of us is going to highlight, talk about one of the specific games that caught our eyes, and then everyone else can just kind of pile in on what they thought about each game. Um, but overall, I think for me, just before we even get into that, is I think I think match week one for me was just one. It was really great to have the Premier League back. It kind of started to feel again like a real season. I know that we had the restart, but like from Liverpool had already kind of won and pretty much won that already. So just kind of the excitement for a new season's back. I know like without fans, it's still a little weird, but they're hoping to get some people back in the stadiums by October. And then overall, just to see like new signings. I mean, it was a great weekend for debutants. So anyone who's basically making a debut for their club for the most part had a great, great, uh, great outing. And uh, yeah, what are, what are y'all's feelings about the first week? Um, I'll start with you, Lewis. Uh, just glad it's back, really. You know, some impressive performances from certain sides, some, some teams that didn't show up that I thought would. So it's kind of interesting to just see how everyone came out of it. Um, looking forward to the next couple of weeks. For sure. Garbs. I got you as a, as a, as a team who didn't even have anyone playing or as one of the people that didn't even have anyone playing this weekend. Yeah. So that was weird for me, but at the same time, I got to get this off my chest. NBC sports. If you're listening, you guys have been incredible for the past few years um, doing the Premier League stuff. Please stop putting primetime games on Peacock. Like, yeah, 100%. I, it's not growing the game. And I think, like, when you get a marquee matchup with, like, a Chelsea today on TV with the chance for an American to play, put that on your TV network. Like, you're just creating – you're just making it a niche sport. And those that are going to watch are going to watch online. But, like, you're not even trying to grab other eyes. And I just – I'm not a fan of it. I wish that they would go back. And it was the same this weekend. With the big, what was it? The like the primetime game. It was a Tottenham. It was a Tottenham Everton. Tottenham Everton. Sunday. Yep. Went on Peacock, and I'm just not. I'm not here for it. Um, ESPN Plus tries to do the same thing, but NBC Sports, you're better than that. We we got to put the big games on TV. Yeah, hundred percent. I don't understand. I mean, I, I understand during the course of the season putting, you know, all the teams at least on regular TV or whatever, and then I mean, if Arsenal are playing. I don't know, Burnley or whatever, and you want to put that on NBC Sports Gold, that's fine, like, a couple times a year. But to have, like, your 11 o'clock primo, which is always the Super Sunday games, what they always call it, to have those on behind a paywall is absolutely ridiculous to me. I don't understand that at all. So, yeah, I totally agree there. What about you, Teddy? Nino? Oh, Ted. Technical difficulties as usual. What does that mean? No. Yeah, it's him. He just dropped off. No, it's um, <laughs> it's Ted. Okay. No, classic Teddy and you. So I, I canceled uh, ME Sports Gold because I was like, well, if I'm going to be paying four ninety nine a month for whatever Peacock, which that's just dumb. Yeah, so what what is and what does NBC Sports Gold even even carry now? Nothing. I don't they have like yeah, they have like some of the um some of the like the an- analysis shows that are on there, like they'll do, um, then they'll do like the uh, Premier League review and preview shows that you can get. Like, if you used to be able to get if you were on, um, like that they used to pr- that the Premier League promotes, like over there, but yeah, there's nothing really va- of value Shit. on NBC Sports Gold. I gotta cancel anymore. that too. So. Same, yeah, it's like today, news back, yeah, Ted, we got you. Uh- yeah, I'm not sure what happened there. Like, I got muted by accident, or on, pur- or on purpose by the moderator. Um, yeah. I didn't. I didn't catch a whole lot of it. I caught probably two or three games on the weekend, and you know, I watched um, Sheffield United Wolves today. But uh, yeah, I think like everybody else, it's good to have the season back. I think it's odd, obviously, starting the season in September is a little bit strange for everybody. But um, I think there's a lot of sides poised to make this very interesting. You know, I think. Any chance of being a runaway leader, I think, is uh, it's probably gone. Totally agree. Yeah, for sure. I think it's going to be a lot closer of a title run in, but we'll see. I mean, like I said, it's only match day one. But all right, let's let's jump into the first game: Fulham versus Arsenal. Uh, Lewis is going to lead the way with this one, so go ahead. 
right. Yeah, so it was an interesting game, I thought. Uh, you know, I was, before the match, I was interested to see how Fulham would come out, um, how they play, how they'd compare to a Premier League side that honestly struggled a bit last, last year. So right out of the gate, um, Arsenal almost gifted them a goal by a <laughs> back pass that was David Louise-esque. Uh, Lenham made a good save, cut that out. Uh, and then Lacazette scored in the eighth minute to go up 1-0. One, one um, Gabriel, the new signing, scored later on to go 2-0 and Orbo with a classic. Coming off the left left wing, uh, curled shot into the far post uh, as, it, as it's done. I think three or four games in a row now. Um, some impressions from that game. So I ended up finishing three, three, three nil. It, it could, it could, it could have been more. Um, Fulham just were very poor. I thought, um, especially in in their back four, which as a promoted team whose attacking prowess isn't extremely high, having a back four that looked extremely weak um, isn't a good thing. Their centre backs were immobile uh the big lad at them for the back i can't think of his name now hector, hector. you know yeah, he's he was one of the worst <laughs> centerbacks i've seen in a long long time and they were talking about him in the early part of the game like he was you know well thought of and i i don't know how i mean he's <laughs> yeah he's six five i think and on gabriel's goal corner comes in gabriel just steps in front of him jumps heads it Right in the back of the net, and Hector never left his never left his feet. Didn't really didn't really contest it. So, like, if you're six five, you can't move. You would think at least you can defend a set piece, but he couldn't. Uh, there's a there's a there's a period of play too where he somehow got isolated one on one on the wing with Abba, and like Abba mm-hmm. just literally just went right by him, like it wasn't even. He threw a leg out and just looked like an idiot. But I mean, yeah, it, it didn't look great from from his standpoint. No, um, from an Arsenal point of view, Gabriel in his opening uh, performance was extremely good. He was man, man of the match, I believe. Scored uh, 95% pass completion rate on, in 1v1 situations, which he's most known for, supposedly. I can see why. He just uh, he looks tough to beat. You know, big, strong, physical guy that judges the ball well. Um, and then I, I thought for Arsenal, we, we were a little more uh, attractive going forward. There was a lot more, a lot more passing, um, a lot more intricate play than we've seen at the end of the previous season. And Willian, I think, was a big, big piece of that. Um, he was key in two of the goals. He took the corner. He put Orba through for the third one. And even on Lacazette's first one, he took the shot that the goalkeeper parried out to him to then finish off so I think he's going to be big for us after some people thought it was a terrible signing I mean he's looked good against Fulham that is against Fulham so we'll we'll see what you know, Arsenal look like moving forward but about as good a start as you could ask from us and about as bad a start from Fulham as you could possibly have yeah I agree a couple of things like I thought one overall last year we took one point mm-hmm. away Arsenal did from all the promoted teams so three points right out the gate is good as I said before, too, though, if you want to draw an e- like an easy game to start the season off, full them away in the sunshine is probably about as good as you can draw up. I don't know what – I don't even know, like, Fulham are a really big danger of becoming a yo-yo team where all of their players are just good enough to get out of the championship but not really that great in the Premier League. They don't really have a – I mean, I don't really understand what they were trying to do there. Um, so, Scott Parker's got some stuff to figure out there. I mean, obviously, they came up via playoff, so – um. From an Arsenal standpoint, like I said, if you're going to make top four, which is probably our high, like the best possible scenario this season, I feel like, then you're going to have to beat these teams. Um, and that's how like teams do end up making top four. That's how we did under Wenger for so long. So where previous seasons we might have struggled in this game, I'll take it. Um, I'm not saying we're going to win the league or anything, but it was also cool or at least promising to see that we're still sticking with the kind of had no play Arteta's shown um, from last year. So obviously the short period of off season probably helped with that regard because those players still know what they're doing. William coming in was great. Um, interesting to see on any start in the midfield, but he's going to be a good squad player if he stays. And then, yeah, Gabriel's debut was nice. Um, and it was nice because our bench now has 
a lot of options where last year we really just had a bunch of youngsters. So Sabaya, Saka, uh, Pepe, yeah, Pepe came on. So and Kedi is still on the bench. Yeah, so I'm interested. It's it's good to see. I mean, it's match week one. We've got West Ham next next week in, at home, and then I think it's Liverpool away after that. So that'll be a big one. But yeah, I mean, about as good as you could ask for a start from Arsenal. And pretty happy with it. I have so to what say, you, if you sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, go ahead. Go uh, ahead. Like being I was going to ask being you. an outsider. Um, one thing that I've noticed from Arsenal that's different, I, I think you can feel a culture change from Arteta. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just post-match interview, you could hear him trying to fill guys with confidence who are working hard. And I think he's set the standard now where if you're not a guy working, you're not going to play. And I feel like you guys have kind of been in limbo for like four years with that, where you didn't have enough bodies and guys were playing that weren't performing in training and that type of thing. And I think, I think it's palpable to see that there's a culture change. And that's that's my two cents on it. No, yeah. I mean, it was a small change. It kind of didn't really get announced. Like, I mean, it was Arsenal announced it, but it really didn't get covered too much in the media. But this offseason, they made Arsenal – they changed his title from – or Arteta, sorry, from head coach to, to manager. And I think when you think of, like, a manager role, it's someone who influences the club from the top down. And, you know, maybe he's running the business side of things, but – they are actually affecting the culture of the club and trying to take it in a direction where like under Wenger during his best years, like that's, he, he basically flipped Arsenal and changed them into kind of what they're known for um, during his high peak uh, season. So that's good to see. I think like you think of Guardiola, Pochettino, Klopp, like they all have a culture and identity at a team. So he's clearly affecting that. So that's really nice to see because there is like an actual, like I said, a direction that we're moving and you can kind of see where it is. And then at the t- same time, he's got big players buying into that, which is a huge thing. And obviously I think winning the FA Cup and winning some of those games against the bigger teams last year or last, yeah, end of last season definitely helped with that regard too. So, all right, Tottenham versus Everton, Garbs. Yeah, intriguing matchup because I think a lot of us were wondering what this Everton side would look like with all the new additions. And I have to say, um, I think that they are going to be a really tough out for everybody this year. Um, and we know Everton normally underperforms, and you can say all that stuff about them, but that midfield three has changed them. Um, Richarlison could have had a hat trick easily in that game. <laughs> the first chance he missed was awful. first chance he missed was awful. Then he had a curler inside the box that he has to put on target. Um, he could have had a hat trick. Thomas did a lot um, quality in the middle of the field that they haven't had. Decore was really good. Um, he's going to be, yep. he's the one I'm, he's going to be an absolute stud of a signing. I can already But tell. just watching like in the center of the park, having them have guys that can ping balls. Cause I mean, up front, like Calvert Lewin and, and Richarlison are, are good going forward. Just never had any quality to get them the ball. Um, I think that especially with Ancelotti too, like you trust certain managers I, I don't think he was mm-hmm. going to let that go bad for too long. Spurs had, in my opinion, one clear chance, and that was that counter where Son had Harry Kane to play in easily and decided to play the other way. And and I forget who it was. Somebody backtracked working their butt off for Everton to, to put a challenge in on that shot. But that was kind of the only chance they had. Um, I thought Everton dominated the game. And we got to see my favorite Mourinho post game, so everything is exactly as I would like. Although we all know I'm a big Mourinho <laughs> fan, um, he already started the bitch in week one, and and when it starts week one, we know we're in for a good season. <laughs> yeah. What was he complaining about? Like he didn't have enough players again. He didn't have enough classic. players. Harry Kane only had one training session. There was a whole lot of things going in, um, as if yeah. everybody else wasn't in the same exact scenario. You know, it's just him. But I, you have to respect him uh, throwing the excuses out. But he's already starting to throw guys under the bus, which is my favorite part. <laughs> That's when it gets good with yeah. him is when guys go under the bus. And Delhi's already there. Um, so he subbed him at a... Didn't he say he didn't like his team? Yes. Was that what he said? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. I thought that's what he said. That's exactly yeah. what he said. Um, and he subbed off yeah. Delhi at halftime with no injury. So he was just... I mean, he was... He was terrible, though. Like, I don't know what the fucking point of Deli Alley is these days. I honestly so. think, too, like, after watching the documentary, like, 
I think he's tried seven different ways to motivate Delhi and none are working and he's going to get to the point where he's just going to tell him to fuck off. Yeah. I mean, Delhi's in a weird position where he's also he doesn't play like a position that any team can really build around at this point. Like he's not really a box to box midfielder. I guess he could he's not a forward like a wide forward, but he's not he's kind of creative kind of he kind of almost falls in that Aaron Ramsey role where you're kind of in between the lines but you're there to score goals but if if you don't have a, around you to help out with that then like that's not gonna help like I don't know he's just the thing like I took away from this game like you just said garbage is like Everton's midfield is just miles better than it ever was at any point last year yep. and they pretty much dominated that middle third all around Tottenham yep. which I think is probably one of the reasons that he subbed Delhi anyway because he saw he saw like how much they're getting beat in the center of the park. I also think it's kind of a, I mean, Ancelotti's Ancelotti, you know, he's won pretty much, he's never won a league, but he's pretty much won every major title from a standpoint of like the champions league and all that stuff before. Um, and he was a beast of a player, but like some people will always say like, you can't just fit by three players and put them in the midfield and like hope it all works. But he clearly did the research there and figured out the type of players he needed and where they would fit in there. And, to Corey Allen and uh, Hamez, so I feel like definitely they look good. Basically, is what I'm saying. This, they, yep. it's a really good, really good combination play. Decore is just like destroying everyone box to box. Allen's pretty much destroying everybody from a defensive standpoint, and then you know Hamez was spraying out passes to Richarlison and Calvert Lewin as as well as so good goal. I too, think Decore huh? is going to be a... yeah bullet header. I loved it. I think Decore is definitely going to be one of those. And Calvert Lewin's going to be—he might be one of those uh, fantasy guys that can get some value out of that you were looking for. I know I almost but... picked him, and I didn't. <laughs> Rough week for me in fantasy. Ted, what did you think? Did you did you were able to catch this game? I I wasn't. Um, I I turned it on and I saw Richarlison's. Well, I think it's it's important that we we call the first portion of that to attention, which is Eric Dyer being exposed for having absolutely no ability to move. <laughs> um, I still don't know how he gets beat to the ball. Like how, how, well, that was Alderweireld in the first place, but I still don't understand how like he got beat by Richarlison who had, he had about a 30 yard head start on Richarlison and he beat him, but go ahead. Yeah. And then Richarlison rounds a keeper. He could square it or just <laughs> blow on it and score. <laughs> <laughs> and, he tri- and he trips over the ball after he's he's just Richardson's another wanker. Just talks a lot of shit, and it's like, yeah, he's 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 decent, but it's like if you're going to be a top striker in the Premier League, you have to be able to to pull that off. He looked like Liverpool Sterling right there. He did, but on his left peg, he's like, and he's, to be fair, Man City Sterling on his left peg <laughs> as well. Um, but yeah, he looks like a player in the Premier League who can't use his left foot, which is scary. Um, he's also a bit of a tweener as well. Like, is he a winger? Is he a forward? Where yep. does he play? Um, obviously, supremely talented, but it's one of those like he is a bit of a tweener. Um, Everton are going to be uh, going to be better. I mean, you can't add players of that caliber and not improve. Um, I think they'll still leak goals against quality teams. Yeah. Yep, that's fair. I'm also, like I said, week one. We'll see what happens when they start getting into the, the middle of the year and Rodriguez and Allen and them kind of have to catch up. But I mean, I mean, at least it's like another – for me, it's an exciting another team to like throw in the mix of your Wolves, your Sheffield Uniteds, although they look pretty bad today. But, um, you know, your Arsenals, your Uniteds, your Tottenham's and all that stuff. So that should be fun. Lewis, any any thoughts on that? I one? completely missed the game, to be honest. I saw all of the highlights and that was, okay. that was about it. Gotcha. Cool. All right, well, let's go to Tedinho in the, the, the match of the weekend. 4-3 versus Leeds. Liverpool. Leeds are going to take points off people because it's, an, it's a very different way of attacking being a new team in the Premier League. I mean, a la, like, you know, Sheffield United last year with, like, this you know, three-back system, overlapping centre-backs. You know, Bielsa just does it with just out-and-out pressure, transition, when they win the ball, there's three players high and they're going. You know, watching the game, it was like, from portions of the game, Liverpool were being out-Liverpool. Like, by just the the, the speed of the counter-attack. And now I think, you know, the, the issue is going to be 
they conceded four goals, of which obviously, yeah, three, you know, two were penalties. I think two were corners. So I mean, that's that's something that you know, in the Premier League, when you're playing away from home in places like Burnley and places like that, um, you know, I think Liverpool were a little bit the guinea pig, and to be fair, carried, kind of carried on the same vein that we had done in the past to end the last you know season before the lockdown. You know, we were we weren't really doing great in terms of defending and keeping the ball at that point. Um, and we kind of carried on the same vein. So I think we need to uh, address that. Um, but I think we were also kind of the first ones to play a BL society at Premier League level. Um, and he's going to do that to a, to a lot of teams. But I do think someone like Burnley is going to be a bit more stubborn to sit in and just, you know, kind of suck up the pressure. I'm not sure Leeds have... I need to see him break down a uh, a low block, you know, because obviously we we've always been open to counter attack. City have always done that quite well to us as well, um, you know. And all the goals were all pretty much you know counter attack or when the, the back four and the midfield block aren't set, so to speak. So I think it'll be interesting to see when they get someone who's now got some video and leads to sit in and just be stubborn, how they break teams down. Um, the hell of a game for the neutral. You know, I think it was one where I didn't think we were going to pull it off, but you knew you were going to get chances. You know, we had quite a few chances to get it done. Obviously, Van Dijk scores from a, you know, I guess it disallowed for a fairly dubious, dubious foul, probably. But I don't know. I think I think Leeds are going to be fun to watch. You know, I think they'll for sure survive if they can keep that core group of players fit. I think that's going to be the Similar to Sheffield United, they're going to have to keep eight, nine, ten players consistent. Because um, I'm not sure they're going to have they've had the time to really get the depth to lose two or three of those. Can uh, I ask what the hell Rodrigo, I mean, I what, think, what the hell Rodrigo is doing? Oh God, that is endearing, so bad. <laughs> endearing himself to Liverpool fans. Jesus, that was like, you know, your team puts in 85 minutes plus of an awesome display. And then, literally, he'd come on, and the first thing he'd do on a corner is bad, bad header, and then just absolutely hack the guy down for a no doubter on a penalty. Not great, not great. It's the ult- it's it's the ultimate like cliche of like forward defending. Yeah, one hundred percent. The ultimate cliche, and it's like you know, Fabinho definitely knows what he's doing. Yeah, and takes a touch across the guy and like goes straight to the ball, knowing contact's coming. But I mean, I'm just not sure what reason he had to just leave, just to even leave it dangling. He's yeah. gone away from goal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, I have two. St- I, mean, I have I'd, a stat for you guys. You guys might yeah, have seen it. Go for it. Hit me with it. D- Ted, do you know where I'm going right now? I think I do, but I don't want to steal your thunder. Okay. Hit me with it. What player in the Premier League has conceded the most goals from? has made a mistake leading to a goal the most of any outfield player in the Premier League since 2017. It's Trent. Of no, course. it's Virgil van Dijk. Is it? Is it? Yep. Oh, I guess because yep. at Southampton and stuff too. I mean, he's, he's probably got four, I'd say. No, four. it's three. I mean, it's three. To, it's yeah. such a small number. Like, it's a stupid stat, but I thought it was funny. I mean, it was an epic first touch for the uh, – for the second goal for Leeds. But one thing that I found interesting... For Bamford's goal. But the, the, problem, the, the problem is, he get. Go ahead. I was going to say one thing I that they did that I think City, Leroy Sané used to be able to do, and when he's not, he wasn't there, hopefully Torres can this year, is make Trent defend mm-hmm. because he can't. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I feel like Leeds did that because he got absolutely torched in his own end. And again... I'm not hating on Trent because we know what he is going forward. He's probably the best right back in the world going forward. So I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm saying if you can make him defend, that's where I think you guys get in trouble. Yeah, I think I think that's where like having Bielsa as like a very detailed coach, he's going to pick out your weaknesses. And I, I'm pretty sure he saw Trent at the beginning of last season where some people were saying the same thing, like his defending isn't great. And they just – they went right after him and – it kind of showed for sure. So yeah, I think it's another one. Like you talk about Van Dyke, like the one that he gets in trouble on 
it's one of those things where like as a player when you get away with something like he was getting away with that just out of sheer just I don't know if it's just the mojo was going the right direction but before the lockdown he was getting away with every little flick and you know cheeky pass like that he was getting away with and as a centre back like risk reward is obviously what you talk about right? Yep. and I think chickens come home chickens come home to roost a little bit on, on the on the Trent standpoint I think where I go with it is Premier League level the athletic component is so huge. When you look at the lad, like Harrison's a good athlete, but like the way we play, we ex- our fullbacks are exposed yep. a hell of a lot. So the, the goal that is scored by Harrison is an awkward one because it's a bouncing ball that, to be fair to the kid, just he decides he's going to take a first touch inside and he decides that very early. As that pass is hit, he's, as it bounces, he decides. That's a difficult one for a defender mm-hmm. to deal with. Do I think he, do I think he should have fouled him? Yes. You know, I think that's where uh, it's a foul on the touchline. You're probably not getting booked because you know you're on the touchline, you got cover. But I think he probably should have fouled him because it, it was just it was just a difficult one to deal with. And I do think to, in his the Cafu comparisons are interesting because Cafu was not a great defender either. <laughs> you know, because he didn't yeah. have to. That team that he was on with Brazil was just so dominant. But we're not going to be that dominant. Ted, I think. Do you know what I mean? Ted, like I, do you think that I think both of our teams are incredibly susceptible to teams because we push so many bodies forward? Like, I I watch my team get shredded for horrible defending last year, but a lot of times once it gets to the center backs, it's already done. And I feel like it's similar with you guys, mm-hmm. where everybody's pushed up so far that you can have a game where if somebody's clinical, they're gonna they might score three or four against us. And the next week or two, all anybody talks about is how shit our defense is. When in reality, that's kind of the what you are giving up in order to play the way that you play. I feel like both of our teams are similar with that. I think so as well. I think it's the element of a tactic of countering the counter as well. Like you know, I think I've said in a in a previous episode that Bielsa is known for training in a very specific way, where he does a lot of. He'll take a snapshot of a certain area of the pitch and make it like, you know, three versus two in that area and work on repetitive movements that replicate what he wants from the game, which is kind of, he's, you know, he's been doing it for years. Now it's how a lot of people train, but he kind of came up with it. So you look at it from that, that perspective where he's got time. You know, they were talking about um, what he's, what he did in previous roles at, at Leeds where he had a cup game against League Two Forest Green Rovers. And it was, in, I think it was a league cup game or a friendly. And he created like a, a 40 page document talking about the playing tendencies of Forest Green Rovers. <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, if he can do that for a friendly or for, I think it was like maybe an EFL trophy game or something like that, every single Premier League game is going to be scouted to it. Um, and yeah, you're right. If we play a certain way and we're sending a lot of numbers forward, he's a type of coach who would be brave enough to keep three players high. I, you know, I, uh, and, I heard some really good Bielsa stories on some different podcasts that I listened to this morning. Um, kind of in vain with what you were just saying. For one of them, one of his players invited him to his wedding. And Bielsa showed up with a bunch of DVDs for uh, his wedding gift. And it was all stuff of how he can improve on his play. Like just videos of, <laughs> videos of his uh, of his, him like playing. And just be like, yeah, here's some other interesting areas where you can improve. So... I don't know. He, he's going to be an awesome addition to the Premier League. I hope he'd stay up just because as a club, they're kind of part of – they're usually used to be part of the furniture and he's a really good manager. Do you think – like, I don't know, Ted. I know we kind of talked about this on the – on the when we were texting. Like, do you – I think to live me to Liverpool, like, I think, yeah, you're right. Like, they kind of – one, it's the first day. So, like, you can always catch, like, a really good team on a bad day on the first day of the league. Uh, but – it did kind of look to me like they were carrying some of the form over from the end of last year into this one, and they just kind of got caught out finally on some of that. Do you think there's like a motivational issue? Because, you know, you guys were basically, for almost a good part of two years, you were basically winning every single game. You lost one game in the league. No, I mean, uh, before before the restart, you had lost one game for yeah. the better part of almost a calendar year. Like you, and they're like, they obviously require like immense focus and pressure because you're trying to win the league for the first time in 25 years and all that. Do you think like the actual relief of once it happened? I mean, I think it's like you have, you're only human if to kind of like feel some of that pressure off and maybe take it a little bit easier 
do you think that's kind of part of some of it, or do you think it's more just like I said, it's just some of that form carrying over, and Klopp's going to sort them out in a, in a week or so or two? I mean, I think Klopp will sort them out. If I'm honest, I mean, I think it's I think motivation might be the thing. I think not having fans, I think, is is especially at home yeah. opening day, day of the season. I think at Liverpool. You know, if you've got Anfield packed, I think you've got a potentially a different response to some of the, you know, the little mistakes here and there. Um, but no, I think it's a, we ran away with it so much last year that there wasn't, except for the Champions League, which, you know, obviously if we have Alisson in goal, you know, I think is a different game. Obviously, we probably carry on playing. Now, do we win it again? Probably not. But, you know, Adrian basically gifted it to Real Madrid, Spanish uh Collusion, I'm going to go with. Um, I thought you were going to say the Spanish like, Kepa, Kepa, and I'm like, well, he's already Spanish. So. <laughs> Spanish Spanish collusion at its highest level. Gotcha. But I mean, if you look at it, like we ran away with it so much that, like you said, job was done. You know, and I think even though I think Klopp's obviously, from a mentality standpoint, he's probably one of the better managers in, in the world at this point for getting his team to buy into what he wants to do. Um, but I don't think it's an excuse for what I perceive to be a fairly, I think it looks lack of focus is what it appeared to be. Yeah. I mean, that's, which is, which is, yeah. which is something that hasn't, that hasn't been a anywhere close to a hallmark of Klopp since year one, when he was trying to win games with like Jay Spearing and John Joe Shelby, you know? So, I mean, I think it's, I think it's one of those where we've got, he's got time, you know, the games aren't coming, you know, three times a week, but like they were during lockdown. Um, but I have said, you know, I think we do lack a little bit of depth. But in certain positions, you know, I think centrally we're probably good. Centre forward, you know, is another probably missing one. But I think the biggest one is the mistakes are happening in the back four. And this is a group of players that have, three out of four have played. Well, I mean, in, back in the last year, got Gomez as well. Four out of four have played almost every game since, since last August. So, I mean, I think there's probably some mental fatigue attributing to some lack of focus, but they they got a snap out of it. There's no question about that. That's not good enough. Yeah, for sure. All right. I'll talk real quick about some of the two of the other games um, that I kind of saw, like the kind of in-between games from some of these. One, The first one was uh, Crystal Palace versus Southampton um, for our dear friend Joe, who listens. Big Joe. Big Joe. Big, big Joe. Uh, we kind of all talked about it. I think last week we talked, or I predicted that they could be a, a dark horse. And again, it is only week one, but they did not look great. I thought for sure Crystal Palace would possibly struggle this season just because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like they're kind of one of those teams that maybe you can kind of look at and say maybe they're coming to the end of the cycle for the Premier League. Um, you know, that just kind of happens when it's like either Stoke or Sunderland or Wigan or whatever. Not that, but I mean, they do have a proven manager in charge who's got a huge history of getting the job done but yeah I mean they didn't play too well at the end of the last season so I kind of was surprised when they actually came out and pulled off a one nothing uh one nil win against Palace so I think that's a big big result and just interesting to me because there was it was one of the few games that was between um some of the so-called like big bigger teams and then the other one I, I saw I watched um was Newcastle versus West Ham where West Ham are absolute trash so we've already established that and then Newcastle looked actually pretty good they've made some really good signings I feel like with um Callum Wilson you've got uh I think Jeff Hendricks in the in the team now too um and they just looked like a lot more cohesive unit going forward so um, that was interesting to me I think sometimes people Love to make fun of Newcastle, but I think where they are and the, some of the signs they've made have actually been pretty good. So it was it was exciting to see. I decided to play West Ham next week. You know, knock on the wood, but they do not look great, and um, I think David Moyes could might not be long for the Premier League at this rate. So we'll see what happens. Um, did you, any of you guys watching these games or any comments about that? Uh, I did not. No. You didn't. You didn't watch Southampton Crystal Palace at. 9.30 on Saturday morning. I watched morning. the first 15-20 minutes of it and then I turned it off. <laughs> I watched a little bit of it and, and here's, the, here's the chat I would say is Wilfred Zahar, the man yep. who's been chatted about in, in terms of you know, I think they wanted 70 million and he wanted horrific amounts of money. Could have finished that game twice by himself mm. and didn't and that's why I think he's still at Crystal Palace to be fair. 
Um, Danny Ings looks to still be pretty sharp. Um, he had a the keeper of a palace sort of stood on his head and made three or four massive saves. Um, Newcastle West Ham, I, I watched a bit of West Ham. I just a club that I, you know, again, talk about being part of the furniture and being a traditional club. And we've talked before about how them moving to Olympic Stadium just absolutely, I think, ruined a lot of the mystique about West Ham and potentially put them in a place of, I don't know, bad mojo or something. But they've been, they've been really poor. And they just look, they just look bothered. Like they just look like they could be bothered, you know. And I think you've got Noble calling out the administration about, you know, him, them selling a young kid or whatever. That's not good. Um, weren't they all like wishing that kid well saying like good to you good for you to get out of here yeah, yeah Jack Wilshire came out yeah Jack Wilshire yeah. came out and was like basically just to- same thing as Noble said you know there's no there's no um, ambition here like good, good good for him like it's just you know, not a good place for that club I don't know West Ham are they're in danger of becoming one of those yo-yo clubs again where they go up and down and come back again but I mean, with the owners they have and as much money as they spend and some of the players they have, they should be in no way in this kind of shape. But I feel like overall, they continuously get put themselves in this situation. So that's clearly at some point has to go up more to the top levels of the club than anything. And was it like, was it a few years ago when their fans were like not even showing up? I can't, was it was when, they, when they moved to the Olympics team the first year when they weren't even like showing up or they were boycotting this? They all like turned around to the stand, like the, the director's box, and were like screaming at him, and then just all left. I can't remember what that was. Yeah. Like well, thing. I mean, Noble's a one club man, basically, right? And he's he was basically saying, I think his, and I'm going to paraphrase, so if it's wrong, I apologize. But it was along the lines of really sad to see a young talent like that allowed to leave, I think was basically the, the gist of it. So that's not bailed at all. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Garbs, anything else to add? No, I, I thought I thought Palace, actually, that was kind of a surprise to me, especially the way they ended the year, um, which was, it's not like, for me, maybe mentally you can say the season's new, but I feel like a lot of the form of teams would carry over just because of how short the time frame was. And Palace were mm-hmm. absolutely horrendous before coming out of the virus. Um, so that that result surprised me a little bit, um, but that's that's about all I got there. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. I think a lot of, I think some teams picked up right where they left off. Other ones clearly made a change. Um, I think that break for Palace probably came at a good time when they were ending the season and starting because they definitely needed some sort of reset again. The good thing was we got to see the leads that we were kind of all promised, so that was fun. Um, and then Leicester City, I mean, they came out and won 3 nothing against West Brom. So, we, after we were hating on Brendy all, all week last week, he came out and got the job done. James Vardy had a couple goals. And another debutant, I can't even pronounce his name, I forget, but he looks like a good, a really good signing. Um, the last Mataranta? Yeah, he's, he's, uh, a, yeah. he's a bit of a, bit of a shithouse, but it's perfect. in a good way, too. They need a bit of that. Leicester have kind of been a bit tepid at times in big games but apparently Brendan's taking on the chin himself and decided he's going to go full uh, full meathead in COVID so um, put, on a, put on a little bit of musculature by the look of it either that or so he's yeah, I, didn't see, I didn't see any actual uh, is, he, is he beefing up yeah I think he's wearing some mediums though as well which I think helps uh, gotcha because he I felt like he had gained some weight when he was up at Celtic for a little bit Deal. Please insert cliche about Scottish food here, I guess. <laughs> exactly. I think with so. with, All right, well, with, look. with that game, Go ahead. Go ahead, I, I did watch that one. I don't know how much of it was yeah. Leicester being good and West Brom just being really bad. Like, I could not yeah. figure out what West Brom was trying to do other than just park the bus really poorly. And they played a 5-4-1 and yet still couldn't defend for shit. Their goalkeeper looked poor. I think they're another club that's going right right back down. So the uh, Diangana guy might have left one 
um, relegation bound club just to go to a different one. Leicester had 70% possession. So yeah, that sounds about right then. Um, yeah, we'll see. All right, well, let's stop there and take a break and then we'll get into the second half and talk Chelsea and a couple other things. Okay, welcome to the second half of the top four podcast. We're going to talk Chelsea here before we move into uh, the end of the, the podcast so we can watch some Monday Night Football. But anyway, let's talk Chelsea. They made $200 million worth of signings. Um, pretty much all of them, or a lot of them, played today. Obviously, Pulisic did not, I correct. I did not see him. He's injured right now, so he's got the hamstring injury. Sorry. I think he's I'm an idiot, getting but, fit. Yeah. But um, let's first talk about the actual game. I watched the first 45 to the first half. Uh, Brighton conceded the goal based off just a lazy pass to the midfield square ball, which then led to a penalty, and then um, which Jorginho then scored. But then after that, I mean, I didn't really think Chelsea looked too good during that first half at all. Um, so that was just me. Uh, specifically when you're talking about some of the other other teams. or so, we, Sorry, talking about a team that actually had a ton of really high-profile forwards signing. So that was interesting to me. But um, after that, they ended up – they did end up putting them away 3-1 at the end of the day. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't, like, anything very coherent to me. But, anyways, 3-1, 3-1 wins a 3-1 win. So Frank's off and running. Uh, what do y'all's takes? Go ahead, Lewis. I think there are a few interesting things. Uh, the lineup to begin with from Chelsea was odd, I thought. Uh, playing Ruben Loftus-Cheek as a number 10. And then he went on to prove that he is not a number 10. Um, and Kai Havertz, who is, was playing on the wing. And he proved that he's not a winger because he did absolutely nothing. Um, Werner looks, looked good. The score, I think, was deceiving to me. Um Georgino got the penalty, which you know is kind of a gift of a goal, and then Reese James hit a wonder strike from twenty five yards out that you know he could probably hit it fifty times and it's not going to fly where it flew. So, and you add to that, uh, Brighton Lewis Dunk had a had a wide wide open and just headed it wide, didn't even hit the target. If you would have put it anywhere on goal, it's a goal. So at, at that point, it would have been. 2-1 Brighton, I think. And from that miss on, it just kind of went downhill. But I wasn't overly impressed with Chelsea, even though the score makes it look like they were very, very good. I mean, like, Brighton had 52% possession for the game. Had 13 shots, 5 on goal. So, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, from the, the outside of, like, the, the terrible goal they conceded when I was watching it, Brighton actually look like they they were actually controlling the game a lot better than Chelsea was at that point. I mean, I don't know if that's because Frank decided to go with a 4-2-2-2 formation, which is interesting, but yeah, I don't know. I think Brighton was not anywhere near the best team in the league last season, so for them to kind of struggle, again, first first uh, first game of the year and also integrating a bunch of new signings, but obviously we can see the one model where Everton clicked and this one didn't really seem to click. But I, I will agree with you that Werner was pretty good. He's going to be one to watch for sure. Um, I think we'll see a little bit more when Zayek comes back and maybe Pulisic. I do have one other observation. Uh, I just popped in my head. Yeah. Um, Kepa was bad again. Yep. The, oh, perfect. The, the goal that they conceded from outside the box should never go in. And uh, it adds on to the stat that Kepa's conceded more shots from outside the box than, than anyone else in the entire league. So it's good. The one's always good when you've spent $200 million and are carrying like the worst keeper in the league, for sure. Yeah, the one thing I would say about Chelsea, too, is all the things that we need to learn about them, we weren't going to learn against Brighton. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, sure, they can score. They could have scored six today, and in my mind, nothing would have changed about what I think of them because Brighton was going to sit in always. And the true test for Chelsea is going to be when somebody has a go at them because they didn't shore up any of the areas where they really needed to. Um, they spent a ton of money in weird places and like, I'm sorry, Tiago Silva at 36 years old is not going to shore up that defense. Um, so I think they're, my opinion on them wasn't swayed whatsoever today. They're still to be found out 
for me. Yeah, there's a few teams that I mean, there's a few games and teams like that this in the match league where we didn't really learn anything about some of the big questions we have about some of these teams. Like, like Arsenal beat Fulham three 0 but I mean, like we said, Fulham were pretty bad. Um, we did learn how Leeds are going to go about it, but they also conceded three goals, so they had to figure that out. But anyway, um, Ted, did you watch this at all? I did watch a bit of it. You know, I think the, the funniest thing I can bring to the table is uh, a friend of mine said, well, you know, here's my thought on Chelsea. I went, I'll go on then. And he goes, championship manager. Anytime, <laughs> any, any, anytime you bring more than four signings into the same team, never works. <laughs> right. You know, and and I think they've got some uh, some things to figure out. Um, but they're going to score a lot of goals. But I do think Garbs' yeah. point is 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 very fitting. Is that if somebody like a Leeds decides, you know what, yeah, you're going to score a lot of goals, but we're going to have a go at you. Um, I think that's that's going to open them up. To be honest with you, um, and I think we'll see. Like you said, I think we we play them next next couple of weeks or next week, um, and I think that will show us a bit more of what what Chelsea are going to bring to the table overall. Let's talk Pulisic then. Uh, Garbs, what did Gary Neville say about it? Hold on, let me pull it up right now. Sorry. Got it. Um, (laughs) And this was an interview. That's what one of my friends actually asked me. I'll I'll preface this. Was he talking to American television? Because I think that changes everything if he was, but he wasn't. Um, So Neville said, Christian Pulisic to me is the next world star in the Premier League. You saw glimpses of a pre-lockdown and glimpses when he played an international game at Wembley two years ago. But I watched him three to four, three or four times in the games after lockdown, and that was a different level. That is starting to do things on a pitch that Real Madrid and Barcelona would be looking at, thinking we need him, like they've done with Hazard and other players in the past. So that was pretty high praise. That was that was Phil Neville, Gary. <laughs> no, I'm just messing. I know. <laughs> uh, so I mean, first off, Christian, don't go to Barcelona, please. Like they've already, they they have enough. If there's not enough evidence in the world that that team is heading down the drain quickly, please do not go to them. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. I'm excited to see what he does this year. I think he had, before tearing his hammy so badly, I think he had pretty much established himself in that team and basically made it his own place for one of these newcomers coming in to have to replace him and earn that spot, so kind of unlucky with the injury, but yeah, I'm excited to see. I mean, he's going to have to carry the U.S. men's national team pretty much for the next few years at this point, so we need him badly, uh, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, like you said, I'm, Chelsea are going to see, concede a ton of goals. Going forward, they're going to score a lot of goals. Poor Giroud. I don't know what he's going to do, my man, but um, yeah. What, uh, is there any big, like, takeaways just overall for any of you guys from the league? First game, first match week. I think the only takeaway I have is that the level of competition has improved uh, mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. at least mid-table up. In Arsenal, I think have improved. Hopefully, Everton's better. Spurs probably aren't. That's good. Um, Chelsea, they can't be worse. I don't think after they spent two two hundred plus million. So, and then Leeds as well looked entertaining at least, which the promotion clubs last year other than Sheffield Wednesday won't or Sheffield uh, United won't so United. Um, yeah I think it's just going to be a fun year really yeah it's definitely I don't think it's going to be like a basically blow away like last year was with Liverpool so that'll be exciting I still think there's like a top two mm-hmm. there's Liverpool and City and then I think that three to ninth place could just be wild We'll see. Um, really disappointed Manchester United didn't play this week because I really wanted to see how they fit in with everything. But we'll figure it out. Who were they supposed to play, Villa or Burnley? It was City were supposed to play Villa. United played Palace this coming week as their first first game. Yeah, they were supposed to play yep. Burnley. So that would have actually been a really good game to watch because I could easily see Burnley taking points off of them for sure. Didn't United play Villa in a friendly? I believe they did. And lost. No, no, that was that was us. Yeah. Wasn't, that, wasn't that Arsenal played Villa in a friendly? And lost, we lost, yeah. we lost, we lost to Villa like three two. Yeah, and Watkins scored, didn't he? Yeah. 
Yeah, and Alba scored twice, and yeah, they beat us three two. But I don't know. It'll be fun. At least, yeah, it doesn't tell Jack, but it'll be fun. I'm excited. It's just good to have the Premier League back in kind of a a full function. There's going to be a lot of games played in a short amount of time, so I'm also interested to see how injuries pile up. I did like going doing away with the drinks break was great. I think the coaches might regret the not allowing nine players on the bench and also not allowing five subs, but. I don't know. That's just my personal opinion. Um, anyway, any more for any more? Is everyone all set? Do we want to do predictions or no? Yeah, let's do it. Do you have a, do you have a, do you have a whole list a whole set list. up? Yep. And then a couple oh, yeah. summary of last week's score in which most of us aren't going to like. Uh, yeah. From bottom to top. No, I'm never wrong. We got, uh, <laughs> we got Adam with two points. So again, it's one point for correct uh, winner. Three points for for uh, correct score. We've got myself with three points, Garbs with four, and uh, Tadinho up there with eight because he predicted oh. West Brom, Leicester, and Sheffield United Wolves correctly. Oh, what a dagger yeah. there, guys! Just cancel this whole segment. <laughs> so, you, so you're saying a lot, <laughs> but this isn't this isn't it shouldn't be a change or a surprise to you. I batted you last year as well. <laughs> When you when you started when you started off saying like it's not great and then you started off with me as two points I thought I was actually like the leader in the in the clubhouse there but really we not. started we started keeping score after Ted went zero for five the first week that's true that's I'll also news. I'll also push to the scorekeeper um, but I still believe I batted all of you even with that zero put on the on the cards Lewis confirm or or, or, or call fake news on me. Uh, yeah, you put it on. Okay, thank you. <laughs> but it doesn't matter about the truth, so fake news. Um, yeah. So this this week, uh, starting off on Saturday, the promotion uh, matchup here, Leeds hosting Fulham. Adam, we'll start with you. Oh, I mean... It's a difficult one. Three, three, three nothing, Leeds. Fulham are terrible. Okay. Ted? Yeah, Fulham. Fulham are wanko. Um, Leeds are at home, you said? Correct. Oh, dear. No fans, though, but first time in the Prem. I'm going to go uh, do 3-1, Leeds. Uh, Fulham had a point zero one XG against <laughs> Arsenal, so expecting to score any goals, it's not, it's not great right now. I think, I think the lad, uh, the left centre-back's good for a gaff, so I think he could uh, give away a penalty. 3-1. Oh, that's, that's true. What's his name? Cock or whatever? Yeah, oh, the, that's the right one. The left one is the one who was uh, brought up through the Ajax system, yet loves to pump the ball forward into the channel. <laughs> Got gotcha. it, I weirdly feel like this game is, I said it in the text today, I think it's like very important for both. Um, get points early in the season. I, I can't see Fulham doing anything. I'll go 3-0 leads. All right, I'll go. Uh, I'll go two nil leads. Okay, second match also on Saturday: Man United and Palace. United at home. Ooh, at home, I'm gonna go. Probably two one with the penalty. Fernandez scores. Has to be the two one United. Yeah. yeah. Although I think Palace beat them. At United last year, if I remember. Correctly. Zaha loves a game against United. He does, yeah. Yeah, I think he. I think he scored like, I think David James scored an equalizer. I think is that the game David James scored an equalizer and like celebrated like he was like some hot shit. And then I think it was Zaha went down the field like ten seconds later and scored the winner. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully that. But two one United. Which thing can take? United yeah. get done. I love it. Two one. Two one pass. Cubs. I'm gonna go De Gea Howler for one. And then if he plays, <laughs> if he plays, then I'll go penalty for United and then Zaha winner. So two one for Palace. Nice. I'm gonna go uh two nil United, unfortunately. All right. We should just copy uh, Ted Ted and Garbs' results and just hopefully make up. Well, we won't make up any uh, actual 
points on him, but that'd be one way to do it. Is uh, Maguire <laughs> is, is Maguire going to be shackled to the other center back, or is he allowed to be free to play? <laughs> <laughs> what is his? Is uh, he, be is he out of jail? Yeah, I don't think he's available yet. That's probably better for them. Um, next is get Johnny Damon Vanderbeek Southampton hosting Spurs for old Joe. Ooh, the, the Pochettino Derby. Derby. Uh, Southampton are hosting Spurs? Yep. 2 0 Southampton. Wow. 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 Oh, imagine. Jose. Hassan Hoodle is going to get him. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I wish they were filming this season. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. They could have just done like the, the restart for Spurs and then just started this season as one like whole episode or season. I guess they could just always just do a season two. All right, Ted. Correct. So Southampton yeah, said Southampton you cut out a little bit. All right. Um, Ooh, away from home. I'm going to go with my, my newfound boy, Mourinho. Uh, Spurs to Southampton. Zero. You and Garbs have been radicalized by one fucking TV show. <laughs> no, this is bullshit. I call bullshit. I've, I've said numerous times that I love having Mourinho. Not that like he is the yeah, greatest you... villain ever, but I have, I have a soft spot now. I was gonna say you loved him. Actually, you, you... I'd, I'd like to affect mine. I had to change mine to a three-one Spurs of a Danny Ings penalty. Okay. Okay. You mean Garbs? You yeah, said you like you bags. love. You loved him as a villain, like you love him in the league because he's just so great to hate. But like now, now you and you and Ted are just like, oh, he's actually like a good coach. You know, and like I like him. And stuff. You know what it is? To be honest, it's like being a coach in a different sport. I've actually picked up some good stuff from him, and I I know yeah, that that like sounds crazy, but the way he manages personalities, I think, is brilliant. Um, and I think that the media are kind of lazy in their criticisms of him. I think if you dive a little bit deeper, you kind of get away from that. Like he's easy to criticize just from the things that come out of his mouth. And I think that they try to lead on into more and to make him into like a bad person. And I definitely think he's not that. Yeah. But there's also the, the whole first like seven years when he was at Chelsea in the first spell where like, the media like ate up every piece of bullshit he ever said. So I mean, like some of it's coming home to roost for him right now. Oh, so. absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. That being said, Spurs two 0 <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go Spurs two one. Unfortunately, I think they have too much for Southampton. But that's the loser of that game—that's tough. To yeah, first two. That's one. Yep, that's one point I'm looking to pick up. Ah, These last two games should be be... interesting to get picks on. Both, uh, I didn't put an Arsenal game in because I feel like I do that every week, so I left them out. So, uh, Chelsea hosting Liverpool on Sunday. Uh, Based off of what I saw the first week, definitely Liverpool. So, Liverpool. uh, I'll say 3-1. Right, Ted. Can't see us keeping a clean sheet, so that, that's not happening. Um, two one. Liverpool. Four two Liverpool. Okay. Consensus on Liverpool so far. Oh, uh, I'll go. Th- 3-2 Liverpool. I think it'll be another high-scoring game because neither side can actually defend. I, I finally actually saw that video of Klopp and Frank going at it. Uh, like, the actual, like, full-on video. Frank is such a freaking wanker. <laughs> like, such a yes, douchebag. He He's such a douchebag. <laughs> this will be the first time they've played since, since that game, right? Oh, yeah. I just hope something, uh, I guess, controversial happens on the pitch and then those two yeah. have to... Kick it off again. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to the text from Ted during that game (laughs) about Frank. Yeah, like that's the thing I'm looking forward to the most because I feel like he's going to be 50% watching the pitch and 50% watching Frank. (laughs) Ted will like Chelsea will score first, and Ted will like text us immediately and tell us 
they're shooting for the top six this year. That's all that's going to happen. Like, and then by the time they win three, one or whatever it is, then everything will be like Frank's a piece of shit. Like, you know, for sure. It's, I'm, I'm really sad that he chooses to behave this way. Cause I did like him as a player, but, um, he lost me with the bar tab at Derby. <laughs> and it's, it's going to take a, a lot for him to win me back after he behaved like a, a little 12-year-old boy after losing a ping-pong game. Um, the best thing about that whole video, too, is he, he, he drops yeah. the, he drops the oh, win one league, and now you're acting like a big, like a fucking big in. And then, like, you just see the all the Liverpool bench just laugh, like, at his, like, at him. Like, what a, like who says that? You're like a fucking four-year-old. It was so good. All right, final game on Monday. Wolves hosting Man City. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Yeah, that's a tough one. Garbs lead the way, surely. Garbs lead the way. You want me to? I want to hear. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, lead the way. Okay, I'm. I'm gonna do this because every time I've picked City in a slightly meaningful game in this group, they've lost. Um. I'm going to do the reverse BAM here. Hopefully it works. And I'm going to go 3-2 Wolves. And a red card for Ooh. one of our two center backs, depending on who plays. Otamendi, even though he's not even on the team anymore? <laughs> he's still there, baby. He's still there. Oh, is he? <laughs> I, thought they, I thought they binned him off like two months ago. I think they're waiting to do the business of whatever center back's coming in. It's a new one every day now because it's a stall. Dude, he'll get, he'll, get, he'll get sent off from the... They get sent out from the stands or something like that. Oh, All right, Adam. Who is who are you saying? It's Laporte still out, right? Uh, Laporte with the virus, um, Bernardo with a thigh, and Mares with the virus. So might get an early l- glimpse of Ferran Torres. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Ake and Stones playing center back. Hmm. Nice. That'll be. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how Ake does for sure. I I'm I'm excited about him. So you said three two Wolves. Yep. Oh, I'm going to go 2-2 two, two, draw. First draw Oof. portion of the week. What you got, Ted? Somebody needed somebody needed to do it. Um, for me, I'm going to go with uh, Wolves. Um, and I'm going to go... I think there's goals in it. I think go 2-1. I think Jimenez is going to be They're a just problem. clinical, man. You saw him today. They get a yeah. chance and they they, they get a chance and they score. Like Sheffield yeah. had a bunch. I second half had a ton of chances, but like yeah. Wolves get one chance, boom, goal. Yeah. That, what they they scored their two goals in like the first eight minutes and it was over at that. point. We'll give them three clear cut chances, so they'll probably score three. <laughs> well, you just talked about when you were talking when you were talking <laughs> earlier about how like your percentage backs press so high and like some teams are just going to be able to do it. Like that's exactly what Adam, Adama Traore did against you guys last year. Yeah. Like, just. That was a wild game. That was a wild game. Red card up to one, then give up two in the last 10 minutes. Yeah. Did your, your Boston came out hard on that one with the wild sound exact. Just brought me back flashbacks to Murphy. Oh God. (laughs) Good stuff. Um, So I'm not sure you have anybody to run with a Dominic. No, I don't think so. I I don't think so. Uh, Gabrielle will probably handle him one on one, so it's no big deal. Oh, Jesus. I was going to go Ainsley. <laughs> Even Lewis. <laughs> I was going to go Ainsley, Maitland Niles proved that he could run with him, but he's a free Catholic. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go Portugal to Man City one. Nice. Good call. Good call. All right. That's that's the end of it. Wait. Ted, what did you, what, what did you predict? 2 1. The same as me, unfortunately. 2 oh, 1. Stole my. Score prediction. Gotcha. I got I got a random question to derail it real quick, but I was listening to the Arsenal Arscast today, and they were talking about how like obviously with transfers getting people in and out, they're talking about like homegrown players. Obviously, we're kind of struggling on some some regards. Who are City's homegrown players? Like who who counts towards that for you guys? I could only think Foden. of like Foden, Sterling, Garcia. I think Zinchenko, yeah, Garcia, Zinchenko, Stones. I think too. Stones right? counts. Yeah. Stones. Ake. Okay, so there's a, it doesn't have to be. How does through? Yeah, it just has to come through an academy. It doesn't Ake have to be count too. at the actual club. Uh, maybe that's why you keep signing. Yeah. Um, who's the what? goalkeeper you keep on bringing back? Yeah, yeah, Richard Wright. Yeah, that's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Um, I think 
No, Zach Steffen. Well, Zach Steffen's the backup keeper this year. American on the squad. But he came through your academy, though, right? We no. Or no, you nah, signed nah, him. You signed him from, from. No, never mind. We signed yeah. him from MLS and sent him to Bundesliga. And now he's back. Well, as long as, as long as they're under twenty-one, apparently. I think Ake count, counts. Like, Ake counts as one now too, he, right? Yeah, Ake does. would count because he, he came he came through Chelsea. Yeah. yeah. So yep. the rule Chelsea. is you can only have seventeen non-home homegrown players on your squad declared to play in the Premier League, and right. in addition to that, under twenty ones um, don't have to be declared okay. on on gotcha. e- on either side if if they're homegrown or if they're not. Yeah, you could you can. Yeah, yeah, you can pull. So that means Kyle Walker would be a home grown too. Correct. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a few. Okay, so yeah, a few English yeah, lads on the team. Yeah, I guess it's uh, that. Keep playing really Kyle bad. Walker. Yeah. He's brilliant. I, I'm, and I know that he's bad for England, and I know that he has moments. But I'm telling you, last year he might have been our best player all year, besides De Bruyne. Like our defense was shit, and he was the <sighs> only person. Like he had his best year ever last year, and I will die on that hill. He might be worth playing, though. I mean, if you need someone to run with old uh, yes. Adama Traore, he is your only hope. Even <laughs> well, I mean, Cancelo has pace. But no idea what type of yeah, player. Adama Traore. Adama Traore, what they said, was uh, <laughs> like third fastest player in Europe in terms of top speed. But I think what is more impressive for him when I watch him is not the top speed, but how quickly he gets to it. It's just... In a flash. But, like, yeah. and also, he can go from standstill and push the ball 10 yards and just burn people. Mm-hmm. He did it today. Like, he was just, like, at the edge of the 18 and put a ball past the guy and was gone in two seconds and across his end. Yeah, I mean, there's also the whole thing, like, being fast, but then being fast with the ball, and he's definitely the latter. Like, he's both. He's, he's fast as hell, and then with the ball, he's even fast. Like, he just keeps that, that pace. He's a beast. He's a beast for sure. Um That'll be a good game. I'm excited to, to watch that one for sure. Shame it's on a Monday, but it'll be great. So, does that mean it's probably a Peacock I'm, game? Then I'm not going to sure. be able to watch yeah. it, which is terrible. Uh, might have an illness pop up by Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Corona. I'm feeling symptoms. Yeah. Yeah, then he'll be in quarantine for 14 days. <laughs> Who cares? Wouldn't be the worst 14 days uh, to be in quarantine. Nope, for sure. All right, boys. Well, that was a good one. It was good talking to y'all. Everyone enjoy the rest of your evening and uh, look forward to next weekend and talking afterward. All right. See you, boys. All right. See you. See you, boys. See you.